that recording and start that recording now. We're never going to catch Trevor unaware if we say things like that, Kyle. I'm, I would just want you to know. I'm picking up on the signs. I was hoping that, that he the would signs think usually... I was being too obvious, maybe. And like, oh, he, yeah. like there's no way he was actually going to be recording when Kyle was saying that. I just no. realized you guys have podcasted like nine times since the last time I was on. <laughs> <laughs> it was three times and we have missed you every single time. I know. I was there... Uh, in well kind of in spirit but definitely in paper form yeah yeah you uh you had a seat right in front right in the center console and uh it was a pleasure to have you on our road trip Kyle. <laughs> paper form though notoriously at paper the form. stadium and around the stadium and yeah you know, all of that time notoriously no good at podcasting though in paper form yeah, yeah you were a little rustly. oh um, before i forget <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 75 of Off the Crossbar, a Ray Salt Lake podcast. Now we may continue. Hello. You're not going to catch me in the recording thing if you say, uh, let's start recording a podcast. Oh. And then I just pull out my phone, and then five seconds later, you start recording. Like, that's not a good catch Trevor thing. You have to wait till I'm talking about something, like mm. installing an ATM, and then just click the button in the middle of that conversation. Oh, yeah, I'm surprised that me. didn't start recording during that I, conversation. I was watching the whole time. I thought <laughs> yeah. for sure that's what was going to happen. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe next time. But knowing yeah, that I mean, you were watching for it, I feel justified in a more obvious approach to, you know, yeah, kind of nice. I mean, people do join for social hour, but we haven't heard people demanding talk about wires yet. <laughs> that's, but maybe that's, that's next. True. It's tech talk with the boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cannot wait. I appreciate uh, that tech talk means three com- almost completely distinct things to each that's of us. That's right. It does. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Trevor, you're the, you're the closest to the actual hardware, though, so. That's, that's probably true. Yeah. yeah. No, that is true, I guess. All right. Should we uh, do the thing? Wildly different hardware from Let's you guys, what's, uh, what's going on? Uh, so, uh, I mean, I kind of want to like sh- for social hour, we could just talk about it like the, our Portland trip, I guess. But what yeah. we should talk about that after. But what else has been going on with you guys? I uh, haven't seen you since since we were in P-Town, USA or whatever it's called. Uh, Portland, uh, I think is what it's called. Soccer, soccer City, <laughs> P-Town, Rose, the Rose Garden. Uh, yeah. What's going that's on? In, that's in Boston, isn't it? Uh, I, I mean, probably. I uh, I thought it was at the White House since we were at the Rose Bowl, and uh, yeah, Trevor, what what have you been what have you been up to? Just working and stuff, probably. Um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, so hold on, just a second. Let me recap. We went to Portland, and then we came home, and then I got a booster shot. Oh yeah, and we had a Christmas party shortly after that, which was fine. I thought I'd be fine. Cause we went bowling and I was worried that I'd have like a dead arm during bowling. Um, and I didn't, it was fine. The day that I got the shot, Wait, no you went problems bowling the day over. you got the shot, right? Is that what you said? Yeah. So I got the oh, shot. Yeah, that's good because you're like, supposed to move your arm around the, a lot the day you get the shot. Well, and this is the silly part of the thing. I got the shot in my left arm and I'm not left-handed. And I did that specifically so that if I, if I did have a dead arm, it wouldn't be that big of a deal But <laughs> for the bowling. <laughs> right. No. So I went with my kid. Um, it was a Christmas party. Uh, the company Christmas party is at a bowling alley and it's been that way for years. Um, but I brought my kid and 
they had to go they started playing pinball that's what it was so they got a couple bucks and went and played pinball on the south park pinball machine and i just took their turn and whenever i'm bowling for somebody else i like to bowl left-handed so i was bowling left-handed worried that like my arm would be dead or hurting or pain whatever nothing so i was fine um so i did use my left arm didn't feel that bad at all and i was like oh this booster thing's going to be a piece of cake and when i got the first round of vaccines the first shot was literally nothing the second shot like i had a little bit of a sore arm for like a day and like nothing else so i thought the booster would be easy peasy turns out 24 hours later it was not easy peasy i felt like complete garbage um, for all the day and i say that but really like i had a fever and if i have a fever or like a headache but mm-hmm. I just turn into a giant baby and I just am miserable over you stuff can, that like, honestly, I can probably power through if I wanted to, I just yeah. didn't want to. Yeah. So anyway, the next day wasn't that great. Um, um, but yeah, besides the booster, uh, hung out with my kid all weekend. Nice. We started watching, um, arcane, which is a new show on Netflix, Ooh. which is made by riot games and i guess it's oh i don't know anything about it but it's associated with league of legends i don't know how yet because like none of the characters in league of legends have showed up yet that i know but i also don't know much of anything about league of legends and it's definitely not like a fighting show like it's like a drama animated thing it's really cool i really dig it um but uh yeah so we started watching that um that's really incredible show and that's about it. That's great. Matt, what about you? What have you been up to? I also got the booster and I did not go bowling, but <laughs> I was still an incredible baby about it. I had a, so I woke up that morning feeling, feeling pretty lousy. I, you know, stayed in bed till like 1030 when I had to finally get up for a meeting and then I had to work lunch and I felt well enough to like walk around. And, and then I got home and I just wanted to crawl back into bed and it was very strange. Uh, but no. the following day was great, and uh, I feel like I can really pass the three challenges now that everyone's talking <laughs> about with COVID. So, what are the three challenges? What are you talking about? I don't know. It's like a COVID and two booster or two uh, doses of the vaccine, or <laughs> oh, like three levels of like immunity or whatever to yeah. defeat Omicron. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Speaking of fighting games, <laughs> to def- <laughs> that's yeah. uh, other than that. Um, I don't know, actually. Oh, I did make, so I made a, a German, uh, like, cookie bar called Berliner Brot, and it turned out pretty well. Nice. Uh, so if you, uh, I still have plenty, so if you need some, uh, uh, I mean, come get some, or I'll drop some off. Or, yeah, come yeah. drop some off, Matt. Trevor, <laughs> you can, he, would, uh, he would drive down to Provo for you. Okay. Um, Trevor drove all the way to Portland for me, so. That's yeah, true. Back. Yeah. Other than um, that, I don't know. The bread was it, it's good. I will nice. share the recipe. That rolls. Yeah, I wow. We all just got the booster during uh, this time. Uh, yeah. I, I so here's the thing. I was very non-committal about like when I was going to get it because just due to the the nature of the um the side effects from the the, the booster, I like I was trying to time it in a, like in a in a time that would make sense um was was really just looking for walk-in clinics and that type of situation just due to the convenience um and matt shared me like uh, a good uh resource with me where last week there was like there were vaccine drives that were taking place 
Um, and I was maybe going to do one of those, but like a, a block opened up in on my last Thursday where I was like, okay, now feels like the perfect time for me to go get it. And there were people who I know who had gotten them like, you can just like walk into Walmart, walk into Costco, that type of thing. I was like, okay, let's give that a shot. So we went to this specific Walmart uh, that we know people who are walking into um, and they like right before we got there, they decided like they had they didn't have any more for walk ins that day and they needed to save the rest for appointments. And I was like, OK, well, I, I get it. That's fine. Um, and then we <laughs> went to Costco where two of our our dear friends had just gone like literally 30 minutes before we were there. And we go in and we're like, hey, hi, can we like we go to the pharmacy and we're asking if we can walk in to get the booster. And they're like, oh, yeah, we don't do walk ins. And I was like. I mean, your sign says you do walk-ins and she's like, well, yeah, it's like a different sign that says we don't. And I was like, okay, well, I also have two friends who were literally just here. I didn't say this. I was like, okay, <laughs> like I wasn't going to talk her into, I mean, I was just kind of questioning the whole, like at that point I was just confused. I, I you don't want to talk someone into like begrudgingly jabbing your arm with something. I, that just sounded like I'm putting myself in a precarious position um, I don't want to make the caretaker mad at me. Uh, so I was just like, all right, that's fine. Whatever. Um, I got to figure something else else out then. So we were like driving to like the a health clinic in West Jordan. And on our way there, I remember that somebody mentioned somebody on Twitter, just some random person. Cause I was asking for where people had gotten walk-ins there. They recommended Gibson pharmacy and compounding like by a fashion place. And I was like, okay, let's, let me call that place. And I was like, Hey, do you guys do walk-ins for COVID vaccines? And like, sure we do. We sure do. I was like, can we come like right now? They're like, yeah, no one's here. I was like, sweet. So did that. It was all good. I'm not, I never had any like real side effects from the other ones. Uh, this one was like the only one I kind of did. And it, and I, um, it was just, I, I got really cold in my house and I just had chills, but that was, that was basically it. Um, but yeah, very glad to have gotten that out of the way. Um, that was very nice. And then just been mad chilling, taking care of stuff at home because, uh, new house, like I've been install, uh, I've been installing blinds, doing like furniture stuff, uh, you know, hanging pictures, that kind of thing. We're in the decor stage right now. Um, and yeah, you know, doing that kind of thing. And that's been great. And I started a show called um, Reservation Dogs on Hulu. It's oh, uh, that's supposed to be really good, right? Yeah, it's awesome. It's a Taika Waititi show. <laughs> uh, he's I actually don't know if he's in, he's probably. I'd be surprised if he's not in it at any point because he always puts himself in in things uh, in his things at least like a minor role at the very least. But I haven't seen him yet, so um, yeah, it's really good actually. Uh, anything he makes, I, I like so. <laughs> Just doing that, you know, we finally got snow, which was great. Uh, that that was good. Yeah, I had some... Um, Matt, are you a sushi guy? Yeah. Uh, not... Well, okay, so reservedly, <laughs> I don't love raw fish. But yeah, I love okay. veggie rolls. Like, love them to yeah. death. So there's a... I don't know if you're familiar with Edo sushi, but they do oh, gluten-free yeah. tempura. <laughs> yes, and uh, teriyaki too. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. they do like, they have like a whole like dedicated gluten-free kitchen at each of their locations, which is crazy to me. Um, so I like just tonight, Carly and I went and got, uh, Ido sushi and I had some gluten-free tempura, which is, uh, I mean, 
it's just the height of luxury. I've I've never been anywhere anywhere else that does that actually. And they do like tempura veggies too if you like just want to do that. But yeah, pretty pretty nuts. So that's just a thing. I love yeah. that for for us. Um, so the bento boxes there uh, oh, are that's right. perfect. They do tempura veggies, some sort of entree, and some yeah you know, another side or sushi. I saw or they had bento boxes there. I mean, they're I, really I need good. To do that. Yeah, that rules. Good place. Anyway. So yeah, but I like we should do you guys just want to talk about Portland real quick, yeah. just the trip itself? Yeah, let's do. Yeah. So these these guys, I was like very unsure whether or not I was going because I had been very notably exposed to COVID. <laughs> and uh w- between the time where I was exposed to COVID, which was likely on Thanksgiving or the day after, um, I got tested for COVID like seven times and each time was like the double test thing and so it was pretty like well determined that i did not have COVID, and i was like okay so but i still was like not feeling great and i was like oh, i don't know like am i gonna go and then i like my work week just got so insane i was like i, I just i'm not gonna be able to make this work i couldn't drive with these guys on friday morning uh before the game which was a good thing i didn't because i was like working till like 8 p.m that night <laughs> so um but thank you to uh, certain people who uh, work for the club that were able to help me and get to the get to the damn city in the game because uh, it was a it was seriously I had such a such a good time <laughs> in Portland like the game was like I had fun going to the game I did not have fun watching the game <laughs> uh, but no. like literally just the whole thing was just ruled like. The three of us hung out with some other friends, um, just special co-host guest, Colin. Yeah. Colin was there recently on the pod. Um, other journalist types, uh, I'm putting us in that group. We're obviously among our, our coworkers. It's it's (laughs) us, Eric Todd and Andy Larson. That's kind of the Utah journalist scene. That's right. <laughs> we were with our colleagues, our esteemed colleagues. Yeah, it was just, I. it was so fun. <laughs> Lucas was there as well, noted Arsenal Soapbox correspondent. Yeah. Special and correspondent. Then, yeah. We met a former club employee. Um, yeah, Roscoe. As well. Roscoe was out there. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. really great stories. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, now we can say predator to each other and just oh. so much more okay just, i'm just gonna keep asking random people hey have you guys seen predator i then, I, then i'm gonna crack up and they're not gonna get it and it's oh it's so funny those are the we, best jokes oh i have to search mike pecky's twitter at the word pet predator and see if there's <laughs> ever been anyway sorry it's a predator the movie where i'm not i'm not calling him a predator oh yeah uh, sorry <laughs> to be clear Let's let's add two and two here. It's a story involving Mike Pecky and the movie Predator. He watched the Predator and had, had certain thoughts com- about it. Had comments on it that he gave to people that <laughs> genuinely didn't care at all, but <laughs> it, it turned into a funny story. So yeah, it was just it was just good vibes uh, in Portland. I um, very much appreciated just being there. Like we got like some classic Portland rain. Uh, I felt like I had some really good food. It was just, I don't know. I, it was just, it was just a great, I mean, I was only there from Saturday afternoon until Sunday morning. So it was literally just afternoon game night in Portland. And like, that was it. So yeah, I had a, I had a dang blast. I don't know about you guys. I too had a blast. We should, uh, we should try to do that again next year. Not necessarily like Portland, but we should 
plan more trips, do more yeah. trips. Yeah. Trips are fun. I, I would love to go to the Western fun. Conference final again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, to be clear, the trip was not fun because of the Western Conference final. But <laughs> yeah. No. It would be fun to do a Western Conference final trip. I mean, I it was like that was the first time I'd been in Providence Park and I really enjoyed like honestly just like that whole like seeing what their stadium was like because it's very weird. <laughs> um, it's, it's, a, it's, yeah, it's one of the stranger stadiums I've been to. Like it's like impressive, but it's also weird. I like I don't know how to explain it really, but I did. I think I told you guys. Um, so that stadium like has been in place for like a hundred years. Um, yeah. And it used to be used as a baseball stadium for yep. several minor league baseball teams. And there's a, a special, a special, a documentary on Netflix about, it's called the battered bastards of baseball. And it's about an independence league or an independent team that was playing against minor league, like professional teams that was put together and they played in Providence park. And the whole thing has a whole bunch of like game footage and a whole bunch of uh, oh, really like sideline footage and just a whole bunch of stuff about the team that played in that stadium in a baseball stadium. And it was really weird watching that having been there a week before for a soccer game, but seeing it in like full baseball stadium setup. Yeah. And like all the dugouts are there and the, the stands are exactly the same. <laughs> so it's really great. If you want a fun kind of, it's a fun show, but also kind of a trippy experience. Go watch the battered bastards of baseball. That sounds on great. Netflix. It's really funny. Uh, yeah. One word of warning. If you do go to Portland, dear listener, uh, if Real Salt Lake loses, everyone will be kind of insufferable, but not in a taunting way, but in a very annoying, like, thanks for coming out. And uh, like, <laughs> and like you, a you great game, game kind of great way. So many Even times. when it was like, I mean, well, uh, indoor most, most of you who listen to this watch that game. And by no measure could you call anything that happened in that game a great game. Like even Portland's two goals were pretty garbage. But like. I don't like RSL had maybe like one positive moment that game. So it was not a great game. So what, like I had heard so many, like that type of like passive comment where there was just like trying to be so like class. I was like annoyed. And so I told one guy, I was like, (laughs) I was like, I don't know what you watched, but like we, (laughs) we were bad. I said some like colorful words, I'm sure. But I was like that, like no <laughs> no because i remember that guy like specifically was like you guys played great you yeah guys great and we were like no we didn't like, like i appreciate that portland has like a fan culture where it's like this is all fun and good and it's not about fighting it's not about hooliganism it's all about like soccer as a community event and coming together yeah. and like that whole thing is great but don't lie to me. <laughs> like, yeah. Like we know exactly. that we were awful. We know that you want, we appreciate that you're like trying to be nice, but also, yeah, I got really old <laughs> to just yeah, every I single know. person be just, like, Hey, safe travels. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Just say like, <laughs> have a nice trip. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, check out this thing. I mean, one guy, oh, uh, there was yeah. one guy out of like the 50 people who said something to us, like as we were just like walking <laughs> around, who was like, was making like, like jeering comments sort of like saying like we sucked and i was like yeah dude like give me that give me more of that please because i cannot deal with the the other thing we were getting it was very annoying it's hard to build a rivalry out of that too yeah i was like just stop (laughs) but yeah the game i mean i I liked being at the stadium uh 
had good food before, not yeah. during, uh, good food after, yeah. uh, good chimichurri steak, had some brisket mm. on a salad before. And Trevor made fun of me. Cause I, I literally received just like a ginormous amount of, of salad and a ginormous amount of brisket just on the side <laughs> of the salad. I want to be clear. I wasn't making fun of you. I was making fun of that salad. Cause it was, it was, a, it was insane to be like, Oh yeah, this is one of our salads. Like <laughs> yeah. it's like some arugula and some like pickled onions. And then mm. just literally like half had of the a, plate was just brisket just like yeah, shredded brisket. cilantro line dressing on it and it was delicious also <laughs> i'm sure it was delicious but that's not a salad dude it was it was pretty it was like it was my kind of salad. salad it's got leaves okay. and it's got something else so. dude I, i'm someone who like just will buy a box of spring mix and just eat that as like a snack so nice. that but with like a mound of brisket on it was yeah. was amazing but I'm yeah sure, so, i'm sure it was delicious that's just crazy to me to be like oh yeah here's our healthy option a side of beef <laughs> it, it, with I mean, it's the gluten-free option as yeah, that's, like, that's true and when you're in a bar when you're like it's a bar and bar food is there it's like you only got so many options yeah uh, no, that's fair. and uh yeah the gluten-free option that doesn't have cheese or milk with it too because they did yeah. a gluten-free pizza which matt had yeah it was good um yeah a so weird but good yeah just I mean, seriously, just a really good time. Like there were a lot of like other RSL fans there. Obviously, it was just it was just good vibes all around, and I'm, I was very happy that I got the opportunity to go because I did not think I was going until like less than twenty. It was like until like sixteen hours before I was able to 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 catch a catch yeah. a flight and catch a vibe. We did a little celebration in the car. Yeah, I was Trevor danced. So I'm like trying to imagine. I you guys like the window. Would, obviously would have had a way off more just a terrible time if i had not been there so i'm glad i could do that for all of us right we, and yeah. we appreciated it kyle we made several notes we played how the hotel the whole thing was kyle's <laughs> yeah. fault that's, that's why right. we the hotel that, that i was staying at like and colin was staying at as well um and and some of our other friends had this like arcade thing that we played in on saturday night after and they had that like the hockey version of foosball and it's just always <laughs> usa versus canada and, and always plays the national anthem at full volume the, the for, entirety, for the United there's, States. there's this there's this machine that plays the entirety of the national anthem like extremely loud <laughs> before like, the game not, starts not like when you're playing like if you're playing like you put the money and you sit down it plays the national anthem but also if nobody's playing like every five or ten minutes it just busted out the national anthem <laughs> yeah you guys i went there <laughs> the, i was uh i went to breakfast the next morning there i just got like something super basic in that little uh like there's like a it's like a bar restaurant weirdly like it's like it has like a bar name or it has a like a restaurant name it's like it, infinity by marsh as you were saying kyle yeah so the restaurant there is called uh i said infinity I, it's like it's something like weird it's like uh Ser it's like serenity by jan but it's it's not bad it's like uh it's it's something but it's by marshawn lynch so i guess he's opened a series of like hotel restaurants which is kind of funny like a, it's probably like calls itself a bistro, you know, that type of place. But anyway, I went there for breakfast the next morning, which is like directly below the arcade. And it's like in an open space, like it's on the second floor, but it, it's, there's like, you can just walk up the stairs to it and you could hear the, the damn national anthem. 
(laughs) seven in the morning and i was just and some lady like was the 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 um the woman at like the hotel front desk was like really annoyed and she just like walked upstairs and i think she just unplugged the entire machine she's just like no more but yeah so that was fun um but yeah just normal normal portland stuff all the time it was great great I agree. I had a wonderful time, wonderful food, wonderful company, terrible, terrible game. <laughs> and I don't think we need to dwell on the game too much. Yeah. Unless I don't, you both I, want to I, for some I, reason. I don't know what there is to dwell on. Like there was, well, we, we could talk about Anderson Julio. Yeah. We could talk about how like we moved away from we, the, we the can thing that was working. Talk about decisions made pre-game. But I mean, the game itself, like... It's pretty straightforward. Like it was just bad. We were clearly missing Everton. Anderson was clearly starting him was a mistake. And like the team just wasn't good. Well, we and, and, and Portland also didn't really play good either. Like they like you said, it was kind of not that great of a game. A couple of garbage goals. Yeah. Aaron and, had a terrible game. <laughs> like that oh. was, I mean, that was one of Aaron's like worst games of his career. Like he gave away oh, for sure. a goal and got a red, like, two yellows. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, just a shame. Yeah, like a but bad time for him to have bad games. Yeah, speaking of coaching decisions, should we uh, talk about the coaching decision made by Real Salt Lake? Yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> I mean, Real we have to, so let's go. Real Salt Lake has officially announced the hiring of Pablo Mastroini as full head coach. He's just getting the interim t- tag stripped off. It's the third consecutive time we've done that with a coach. Uh, the fourth consecutive time that it's we've hired from within, which, you know, I'm not saying that's inherently a bad thing, um, but it's certainly a thing. And there's certainly a narrative there. And I think it's worth talking about. Um, yeah. What, what do you guys think about this decision? And we can get into some of the minutia uh, as we do, discuss are it. You, there's two different answers to it. And they're, they're kind of similar, but there's two different answers. One is like, as a fan, it's uninspiring. It's unambitious. Like it's predictable. It's right in line with what we kind of expect from the club to do. But honestly, like I'm really stuck on the, the miracle thing. If that doesn't happen, if we don't make the playoffs, there's no way Pablo's the coach. And I don't know how you go from that situation to all of a sudden two games later that's all it is two game two lottery games later yeah all of a sudden he's the obvious clear number one like i don't like that um that's or at least i'm not like thrilled about it because like i said we saw how he was in the regular season and it wasn't great and he got extremely lucky like historically lucky in the playoffs and that to me doesn't scream like inspiring ambitious we're gonna go get a championship higher like that's not what it is so yeah that's a fan, it's like whatever. The, yeah, that's what's so wild to me is just how thin those margins are. Like, I mean, just catastrophic collapse at the end of the season to to like all but miss the playoffs. Like we did everything in our power in the last uh, few match days in order to miss the playoffs. And by stroke of what MLS liter or pro, excuse me, said was a refereeing error. Oh yeah. Uh, we oh, don't yeah. get a penalty called on us, which should have given Kansas city the opportunity to win the game from the penalty spot. And then we get the bicycle kick assist to Demir. And then like, 
I mean, to be fair, uh, like, well, and then Seattle, I like, I, I mean, I'm, gl- I, I don't even know what to say. Like that was good. Gu- it wasn't good, but I, like I was, I was appreciative of what took place in Seattle. We were good in, in Kansas city, still required a last second winner again from Bobby Wood. But it's like, if that VAR mistake doesn't go as a mistake and we don't win that game does pablo seriously get the job still and that's what that's what's driving me nuts and like just how thin that margin is i'm not and i don't i i really really have to emphasize i do not have anything against pablo i really by all accounts like i like the energy he he has for the most part i like i think there's value in a lot of um like the way he uh seems to interact with the players and fans too. I'm appreciative of, um, I just, it's, it's feels very short-sighted to me. It feels like I'm not convinced we're not going to be in this exact same position in a year and a half from now, because why would I think any differently? Like we, like how can you look at the trans, the transition between, uh, from, from Jason Christ to Kassar to Pecky to Freddie to, uh, to to Pablo now and think that like maybe this is going to end differently. Maybe it will. Maybe he will just like really figure things out next year or something. But I'm just I don't I have no idea. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Like what if Aaron Herrera leaves? What if Albert Ruznak leaves? Like responsible for like two thirds of our goals essentially. <laughs> like I don't know. Well, and this is like the analyzing analyst kind of answer is if you want to make Pablo a good coach, like we've talked about this before, like you've got to let him build the team the way that he's going to play the team. If we keep trying to do this thing where he wants to play one system and the roster is built for another, like it's just going to be a disaster. It's not going to work. So it could work. I think it can work. I think he can be a good coach. Um, but it's going to take a lot of roster work to get to that point. Um, do I trust that this organization can do all that roster work in one off season under the current situation of not having an owner? I mean, it's tough. I don't know that I do. Yeah. That's what needs to happen. Like they need to decide what they're doing on Roosnack and get it done. They need to decide what's happening with um, Everton get it done. They need to decide what's happening with a couple of the other players that options either didn't get picked up or, or are out of contract. Like they need to figure that part out first. And that's going to be done within like a week, hopefully. Yeah. Um, But then they need to, I mean, the season preseason starts in like a month (laughs) from now, guys, like uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know that I trust that this organization at this time can do like a full roster rebuild with the limitations that they have. I'm sure it's possible. I'm sure that teams are capable of it. Front offices are capable of it. But this front office is still pretty green, still pretty fresh, still pretty new. And they've got the shortest time window that the, they've ever had in the history of the league to completely rebuild a roster. I mean, we, we lost two-thirds of the roster the other day. Yeah. We, we've got to put a, that a together the, in yeah. a way that sorry we have two thirds we lost a third sorry but yeah they've got to put that back together in a way that makes sense and they've got 35 days to do it like without an owner 
I mean, you can certainly make moves during preseason, right? Right. Oh yeah, for sure. But then, then players get the then, but then you get that, that, well, this pre, this player showed up after preseason, so you didn't get a yeah, full then, season. I'm just you get like, Bobby Woods situations where Trevor's getting ahead of the narrative that always comes up. That's like we well, this player wasn't around for this long or whatever. They were didn't have a full preseason or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it feels weird. It just it really does feel very short sighted to me. Like. The idea, like the big, I mean, we have, we need to have new ownership regardless, but like some of like the pros there, like the, the, the positive things about potential new ownership that like supposedly is being sold to us is like, I mean, new influx of money and like a potentially actual investment that we're told, like Deloitte refused to actually invest in this club. Um, in the in way the that, that yeah it, like when it comes to players but i mean coaching too right so like that was the thing yeah. that was like refusing to invest in in coaching and just doing the cheap hire uh i can't i mean i i mean it's like i, I get it but i also i'm like it just feels it feels short-sighted and like we're like we're just about to burn another year and a half of all of our lives with another, you know, coach that might be gone in less than two years. <laughs> well, and I'm, there's yeah. part of me that, and again, this is like rude to Pablo and he doesn't deserve this, but there's part of me that really hopes a new owner comes in and just sees the situation and is like, okay, I'm going to give you like six months and then I'm going to start tearing stuff apart, whatever I don't like. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the middle of the season is where he's going to be like, this is where I'm going to start putting in my plan. Cause I don't think an owner should come in and do anything day one. Right. But the club needs a head coach before they get an owner. So, I mean, it would be insane to like go into next season still with an interim. So you have to hire somebody and it makes sense for that to be an easy hire. How long was uh, Brian Schmetzer, the interim head coach of the Seattle Sounders? I don't think he was very long, but he was also an assistant there for like 15 years before that. In my mind, he was interim for quite some time, but I could be wrong. Uh, Um, July 25th, the man named permanent head coach on November 2nd. Okay, so just similar time frame to us, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I... I don't really blame the club for hiring Pablo because like no. I said, you need a head coach. Yeah. And like I, this, I if anything, this makes go. me, th- yeah. If anything, this makes me think that ownership, like there's just weird stuff happening there right now. Yeah. yeah. And we'll get into some of that too. But it, it would, it would surprise me if a new ownership comes in and is just like, yeah, you guys went with the easy hire. Obviously we'll let this carry We'll, we'll just let this happen for two years until, and then we'll make the change if we need to. Like, I feel like if you're going to be, or what I hope I should say is if you're going to be the new owner that is going to put an influx of money in, you're going to come in and get a good coach, a big name coach. 100%, yeah. That's, that should be the first obvious move. And I mean, like we've talked about this, like, would it, like, can we just be in the conversation for like a legitimately like big name head coach? <laughs> just like once, I, I want like one so time. Um, it, would it would be, be so nice. It would be cool. But yeah. What? Yeah, it's it's just and again, nothing against Pablo. And there's there's nothing more I'd like than to be like incredibly wrong. And he like has just an amazing run of form. And we are mainstays in the Western Conference, and we don't have to fight for playoffs on decision day on ESPN's decision day. I just like I can't just ignore how this season ended and like. How, like what the hell happened in Portland? Like w- why we did anything just for him to 
to start Julio in that situation, despite the fact that Julio, every single time he started except for match day one, has been uh, extremely underwhelming and done quite literally nothing. Like he is a, he has been an energy man off the bench. And that is what he's proven to be most effective. And so what we do is start him in like the biggest game that we've had since 2013. And uh, he does nothing all game because he's running against fresh legs and it doesn't work. And he's not good enough on the ball to beat defenders with like well, dribbling. So it's it's not even that that's most frustrating. Like you expect him to do that, but he can't do that against fresh guys. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like just like it's, it wasn't going to work. He exceeds because he goes a million miles an hour against guys that have been playing for 60 minutes already. If you put him in against fresh guys, like they're probably going to be able to keep up. And if he's not a guy that can beat people off the dribble, he probably still won't beat people off the dribble when they've got fresh legs. Yeah. It, like man, it made that, no that sense was, whatsoever. That game was insane to watch. Like whatever we were trying to do <laughs> that game, oh, like I felt like I was going insane. <laughs> Tactically, we had the dumbest plan, and I say that knowing that it was the plan we did all season. Yeah. Oh my god. So yeah, that's that's the other thing is like I know we were scoring more into goals into that plan. Yeah, I know we were scoring more goals when we switched formations or whatever, but it wasn't. We weren't scoring goals in like a like a vastly different way than we were scoring goals before. We just had more men forward and we were playing the ball into the same dangerous positions. And because we had an extra person forward, like Albert Rusnak was actually in dangerous positions, which he's unable to do in the other formation we play. Um, we were, I mean, like the goals we were scoring under Freddie, a lot of those were just like. Aaron crosses, right? Like we were trying to yeah. do that under Freddie and we were also doing that under Pablo as well. We just had more people forward and left us way more vulnerable in defense. I still haven't been like tactically wowed by anything. His best game. I think Pablo's best game that we had was uh, a game against sporting Kansas city. Quite honestly, I thought that oh, was easily, like easily like that under his entire, which that's why it was so insane to go into the Portland game the way we did and play the way we did. It was just, I was just like, I felt like I've we've learned nothing and done, done nothing. Um, that also Kansas City is a vastly different team, especially at that stage in the season. But anyway, Matt, what do you think? Like, what what, yeah. what how, make sense of this for us? Because uh, oh, I I think I can make sense of it actually. Sure. So Good. news that came out the same day is that Taylor Twelman broke that Pablo Mastroeni was set to be named full head coach is on Saturday. Uh, he also tweeted that uh, Pat Noonan was going to be named head coach at FC Cincinnati. And he tweeted that, what, like a few minutes before the Pablo news? Yeah. And all of that clicked together in a really interesting way for me. It made what? me feel like either one, both, he obviously interviewed at FC Cincinnati that we know. Yeah. That's not surprising. We know that Pablo was a target for other teams. FC Cincinnati seems like a good team for him to be target for, honestly, because they're pretty bad. Um, and I, I mean, we could be that bad if we tried hard enough, I guess. But <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, not oh, to maybe not. from the point, but I don't think we can be as historically bad as Cincinnati's been over the last three years. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> um, so the weird thing is, uh, Noonan was was you know is set to be named, and then Pablo pops up as to be named, and the timing just really. Like it, it really engages those conspiratorial parts of my brain where I think that maybe Pat Noonan got the job at FC Cincinnati. And as a result, Pablo Mastroeni got the job at 
Real Salt Lake. And if Pablo had got the job at FC Cincinnati, we'd probably end up with Pat Noonan. And that to me what, is very strange. It, it seems like the deci- our decision, RSL's decision, was made by Pat Noonan's decision. Yeah, like that, exactly. That was my read of the situation was like we were waiting on Pat Noonan to make a decision about which club he was going to be a coach for because he was wanted at both. And then as soon as he picked Cincinnati, it was like, OK, well, the only other guy left is Pablo. So let's go. Yeah. Otherwise, it like, why not name it right after the playoffs or like before the Portland game even? Like, yeah, if, if that, that was always going to be the decision. And that's yeah. I, I've like joked in the past about like the manufacturing consent thing. But like. It like there there was a lot of media legwork done in the lead up to the potential of him being named as head coach to where you, there's a paper trail of being like, well, like, yeah, like he deserved it because or whatever. Like we've been talking about this for months that like like he should be the head coach and they finally made the, the correct decision and that kind of thing. And so like. It, it may that's kind of what makes me just feel insane about it, especially like unfolding in the way he did it did with uh Noonan being announced there. It's like now like then he then they could point back and be like, Oh, look at all the like I mean, the signs were always there. Like, look at how you know he was being written about or whatever. Like he was all he was the obvious choice. But it's like if he was the obvious if he was that obvious of a choice, then like why did what was what's up with the timing there? I don't I don't understand that at all. Yeah, um, we have to admit to ourselves that there was competition for this spot. Yeah, and like the, and the, doing there should be. <laughs> yeah, doing saying otherwise undervalues Pablo too. Exactly, he should get this job no matter what. Like if it's if it's handed to him, that's it's kind of a meaningless like thing to be given. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, I, I mean, yeah, but I also. It's still, I mean, in my mind, my reading of it, it still paints Pablo as plan B. Yeah, that's that's how that looks. And that's why like the, the, like like the fanfare in contrast is so weird because like for it to be like a reactive move, it seems is just kind of strange. Maybe it wasn't. Yeah, maybe it's the other way around where, where Pablo chose RSL instead of Cincinnati. Yeah. uh, Because who wants to live in Ohio when they could live in Utah? Uh, that I can't is figure true. out if that was a joke or not, but uh, yeah. I don't know. When it comes to soccer, maybe <laughs> not, but everything else, I'd very much prefer this. I'd rather be dead in Utah than alive in Ohio. Is that the? Here's the thing. Noonan's a Hawthorne Heights guy, and he was never not going to go there. And I think it was always like he. there's no there's like three good emo songs that reference Utah. Like it's, it was never, it was obvious. It was an option. It was, it was never a real option for him. So um, when you have one of the all time greats, you know, being about Ohio, then I think I, it's very understandable. So shout out to Pat, emo Pat and the boys. Yeah. And, and maybe Paul is more of a mountain goats guy and exactly the mess inside just has him captivated and he just wants to spend a weekend down in Provo. I don't know. Yeah, Pablo. Yeah, exactly. So who knows, man? I, again, I really want just success for this club in whatever way we can achieve it. And I have a lot of problems with the perspective ownership and like who they are and all that stuff. I was hoping as a, as a treat, 
I could maybe get some club success if I <laughs> to overlook everything else. And if I have to deal with mediocrity and the other stuff too, if I have to like do another like Deloy support thing, it's just like it's yeah. I can't. It's just it's just really frustrating. But of course, like again, I like I think Pablo is I, I think he's got like a a level of humility with him and i mean that genuinely not yeah. in jest uh that like could see him becoming like being very open to like new ideas and becoming a good coach and he's clearly a good motivator in a lot of aspects and i just i don't know he has he has good qualities i'm just frustrated that it does seem like this is a short-sighted move that is just sticking to like the familiar stuff when maybe what we really do need is a like full restructuring of, of like how we go about these types of things. And yeah, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird um, to just keep high, keep hiring the interim guy or whatever. It's just strange. I'm really hoping that that's an ownership thing. And with yeah. the new ownership group, that whole mentality will change. like until it happens we won't know so i'm not like holding my breath but that's that's what we need is just a real kind of overhaul mentally for this team like Like just the last just the mentality of the team and the supporters for the last like 10 years 15 years has just been like get to the playoffs that's the best we can possibly hope for that's a successful season and yeah especially in this league. Like I hate that mentality. Yeah. And I hate that. We're like, I don't hate, but I, I don't like that. We're like, let's go scout and get the cheap player from South America that nobody else knows about as our designated and, player. Or let's whatever. go get that guy. And he's going to save our lives until he needs to move to Brazil or until it turns out he's not that good. Or, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of been the club's MO is let's just go yeah. find the diamond in the rough and hope it works out. And it seems like every single year we get sold this new deal with a new diamond in the rough player or something. And it just turns out that like we get to, to the playoffs every year and nobody thinks anything is wrong. And yeah. like, that's just, it's just so unambitious and uninspiring. That yeah. Like it's, it's the ambitiousness for sure. I'm, I'm still going to be a season ticket holder. I'm still going to yeah. go to the games, but don't ask me to be happy about celebrating mediocrity. Like it's, it's getting old. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like <laughs> to go from being told, I mean, when you're told by Andy Carroll or whatever, saying that the goal is to make <sighs> the playoffs or whatever, <sighs> I like if I know that was the mentality of this club for a long time is to just simply make the playoffs. And that was like deemed a success or whatever. Um, because that was a like a mentality of people who were gone and were told like you know that entire sphere and aspect of people is like been is being scourged from the club etc um and of course that that includes like just being extremely racist and sexist etc and being creepy in general um that stuff should obviously be gone but uh, like the, the just like the mentality of how they go about doing business at the club uh, wasn't good either. And I want to see every sign possible that we're moving away from like how they dealt with the soccer aspects from like those type of people at the club. And I want every indication that we're like acting like we should be a mainstay in 
like the Western Conference playoffs like that, like the expectation is should be that we're challenging for cups every single year. And I like if I have to see another like Jason Ramirez signing or whatever, like, no, I, I, I can't. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. I, I just hate. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel you, Trevor. That's 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 where I'm at. Yeah. At the same time, like I understand that like sometimes teams like there's a cycle. So like LAFC is kind of going through it right now yeah. where you're uh, an incredible team and you've got world beating talent and you're just dominating the league for a year or two or three. And then all of a sudden some you're of that talent gets injured. Some of that talent leaves. The team isn't gelling quite as much. Um, and you kind of have to go through a rebuild and you got to, you know, figure mm-hmm. some stuff out. But and I don't follow LAFC, so I don't know. But I, I feel like I'm sure there's a plan there. There's people there that like can recognize a problem and say, all right, so here's what we're going to have to do to rebuild. Because like that's American sports. Teams are bad sometimes. But you right. have a plan. If you're a good team, you know what the next step is to make the team better. You either have to sell that aging player or you have to let some high price talent go. You got to do something. And that again is something that this team like almost seems incapable of doing. It seems like every off season, that's when they start to figure out what the plan is for the next year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Instead of like knowing what's got to happen before it happens. Yeah. We like that vision just has never like really existed. And it's like, well, I hope we make it to the playoffs this year. And it feels like we've been waiting for a long time to be, I mean, it's, it's literally just been since Jason Christ left, right? Like we have not been, we've not had like the confidence of like, this is who we are. This is what we're trying to be. And like, this is like how we're playing and we're going to boss. Like we're, we're going to impose our will on other teams playing this style. Like that's, that has not been a thing even close to a thing since he left. And, but like, that's just been, and it's been notable and palpable in like every single aspect of how we go about like, playing like we just aren't expected to be like with those lafc teams like yeah there's a plan there then the reason there's a plan there is because and i'm sure there is is because there's an expectation that they're like that they should be better than they are like even if they had made the playoffs and flamed out in the first round like that that wouldn't be good enough for them and it hasn't been good enough the years before either so it's like yeah they're they're it's just the ambitiousness and the expectations i just like want to see it all raised because that's what we were told. That's what we've seen from this club in the past. We've seen how club this, how good this club can be, and we're like can be the pride of MLS. I hate that I said the word pride because anyway, I but, love I, but like seriously, you should apologize like we, for the pun though. Yeah, like this, like it should be the Rio Tinto. Rio Tinto should be a fortress. We should be a mainstay in the playoffs and challenging for cups. And like, if we're not doing that, then, or if there's not a clear vision of us getting to that point, then like, what are we doing? Like, are we just going to cycle through another coach in another year and a half? And we've just wasted more time. We've wasted the careers of some of the best players who have like ever played here. Like You're that's what the skin and, yeah, like it, honestly, mean? like if I have to see, and I'm like seriously, no disrespect to Andrew Brody, I think he's a fine player, but I have to, if I have to see him starting at left back, like game one of next season, I'm like, like what are we doing, Taylor Twelman style? Like what are we doing? Yeah, we need someone in and around the left back spot who can really excel. <laughs> I'm glad people are finally catching on to the Taylor Twelman in and around conversation because, my word, that man. Yeah, I like Taylor, but right? wow. 
Um, He's a uh, funny guy. So one silver lining that comes with uh, the hiring of Pablo Mastroeni. Um, Trevor, would you just le- read this next line? Oh, I got no. it highlighted. No, please oh read it. <laughs> I'm going to read this verbatim, and I want to make it clear yes. I did not write this. Trevor wrote this line. <laughs> Kyle Beckerman is going to be our new daddy. <laughs> yep. So uh, it's confirmed. Pablo Mastroeni, I'll tell a quick rundown. Oh, Pablo Mastroeni yeah. had some media availability today, answered a couple questions as the new head coach. One of the questions was asked, I believe it was by Tom Hackett. Something along, I'm going to paraphrase because I didn't hear it. I just saw the reports on Twitter. He basically said, Hey, our old buddy Kyle Beckerman <laughs> is coaching some college kids down the street in Orem. Have you considered uh, bringing him on to the staff or anything like that? Do you have any plans that include Kyle Beckerman? And Pablo was very much like, no, but I know he's in town. We're going to go get dinner and Hey, maybe it might come up. Who knows? And so that of course means that Kyle Beckerman is going to be our new assistant coach, uh, and head for coach our in 2024 and our new head coach in 2020. I mean, 2023. Why not? Yeah. Before he, he is, he, before he's fired in disgrace in 2025, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, like maybe, I don't know who takes his spot from there. Maybe like Ned Grappavoy. Yeah, this maybe, is maybe Ned. Who, who never leaves and raises us to greatness. <laughs> yeah. This is the latest example of the thing that – and I, I get it. I hate being mad about this, but also I'm very mad whenever, <laughs> all, whenever fans are like, we just need to bring back Jason Christ or we just need to bring back Nick Romando or Javi Morales or whatever. It's like – They've got their own careers, guys. Like, they're going to do what's best for them. And also, we don't have any idea how good Nick Romando is as a goalkeeping coach. We don't have any idea how good Javi Morales is as an academy coach. We don't have any idea how good of a head coach Kyle Beckerman is. Yeah. And we know how good of a head coach Jason Kreis is. And it's not that good. We don't need those guys. Like, get coaches that are good, that we know are good. We don't just need, like, old coaches that used to play here and we liked them as players so they must be good as coaches that's not how anything works it makes me so mad when people are like that's just what we need to do is obviously that's the best move and like it'll make some people happy but it by no means any kind of guarantee that it's going to make the team better and if and also as yeah. an aside Hamison Olave is the coach of the Real Monarchs has been here for like four or five years. Why are we not asking for him to be, to be promoted an to like an assistant coach? He's got more experience than all of those guys combined at like coaching real professional players. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some people just love that nostalgia, man. Like it's intoxicating. You can't, uh, you can't get away from it. And then sometimes those memories wherever you like like when you think about like back when you were a kid and how nice like when it used to snow a lot and there was like you'd have very white christmases and uh everyone was really nice and you would like hang out with your grandparents yeah man that's like how everyone acts when it comes to players and i don't want to see like that's always like a, a thing is like I don't know. It's it comes to a point like if they come in and they suck, and again we're talking about an assistant role position, but like like when it comes to head coaches, like sometimes you have to fire Frank Lampard, like your club legend, yeah, and it really I sucks. It. No, it's I, I think it's great because I <laughs> don't like Chelsea, but like that is an extremely hard thing to do. So like Barcelona just just hired Xavi as their head coach, uh, they still suck. Um, 
I don't know, like what the day might come where they have to, the day will come at some point when they fire Chavi and like, what then? Like, like there's, there's no good like exit strategy to that whatsoever. Like, the best possible outcome is that you have Brian Schmetzer who played there for a little bit, coached there for 15 years as an assistant. And then turns out he's actually a really good head coach. Yeah. And he, keeps the job for the rest of his life. I don't know that he's going to, but like so far, that's the only success story in world football (laughs) of that happening. Like Milan had the same kind of situation where they had an assistant coach that was an assistant for like 20 years. I think he played at the club at some point. I don't remember, but then they made him head coach and they had to fire him like six months later. And now he's no longer part of the organization. He was like the heart and soul for a little bit. Dude, that's the thing is like, you can have these guys around the organization doing like really good work within the organization for a long time. But the second they get to head coach, they're like, they're just on borrowed time immediately. It's Pirlo at Juventus as well. It's like, it's, and like Ole Gunner, Ole Gunner Solskjaer at Man United as well yeah. is another great example where they like just literally wouldn't fire him because I think of how much like he's just respected at the club and he's a club hero. So well, I, and like the other obvious one is like Freddie Juarez. Like he was yeah. in the RSL organization for yeah. years and years and years and was the success story of like moving up the ranks and yeah. showing that you can do it. And then he finally gets the head coach job. Turns out he doesn't like it. And then he just up and leaves. leaves in the middle of the season like yeah it doesn't even give us the chance to fire him like <laughs> don't don't bring back club legends just for the sake of bringing back club legends yeah yeah like, and giving them the head coaching coaches. job unless they we know they're going to be a good coach not to say like they're definitionally going to be a bad coach if they are a club legend, but it's like, don't give them the job because they're a club legend. Right. Like let Kyle Beckerman <laughs> cut his teeth and yeah, let him let do him that for a long time. Coach some team in MLS somewhere else and be successful. And then once he's successful somewhere else in MLS, mm-hmm. then swoop in and be like, Hey buddy, we'd like you to come be successful here. That's yeah. That's the ideal. Like bring a club legend back that has proven that he is still legendary at whatever position you're going to hire him at. Yeah. Like, anyway, hopefully that rants over. Uh, I think (laughs) it's probably going to happen. So I think it will. (laughs) We we have currently two assistant coaches, one goalkeeper coach and one assistant coach. We need more assistants if we're going to run an organization. Yeah. Uh, You don't get by with three coaches total plus like a fitness coach uh it's just not feasible right yeah so, uh, i think I, just, I i think it happens too yeah but i can uh, just it's feel it good to get that energy out there now and then uh trevor i just want you to be excited when he's named and just <laughs> embrace him and tell him you love him and just like I said, only say nice things there's uh, two Pablo sides of my brain lot. on oh, this yeah. thing and one is a fan side and one is like an analyst side and the fan side is going to be stoked obviously but the like analyzing why it's a good move or a bad move it, i can't accept it yeah well, we'll move past it that's fine we'll pretend at least <laughs> um so it'll be, it'll be fine yeah i i really think it's going to happen um me too I don't know if we bring back anyone else. It might be nice to bring up Olave as a you know defensive coach and make it a you know go for a you know three two two RSL players on the coaching bench and go from there. You can get by with as an assistant coach for a long time in this league. So what's Chris yeah. Brown up to? What's Miles Joseph up to? 
Uh, Miles Joseph is just waiting for Jason Christ to get a job, I think. Uh, is Chris Brown still in Chicago? I don't think he's in I thought he was at NYCFC. I thought he stayed Wait, there after Christ went there. What is Jason Christ doing right now? Uh, he was last. You're the... thinking CJ Brown. Oh, am I thinking of CJ Brown? Yeah. My bad. Is Chris, uh, is, Ed, is, should he get a job Charles somewhere? James. Uh, Miles he, Joseph is an assistant at Portland. Oh. Huh. Yeah, and uh, CJ Brown is with the U.S. under-23 side as an assistant. But that was with Christ, wasn't it? Because uh, that was Christ's last job? As of 2021, so I yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. Is Christ co- still the coach of the U20, U21s or 3s or whatever? I don't. I, that's unclear. I. It feels like they rotate coaches when there are tournaments, and uh, not okay. when there aren't. Jason Christ is an assistant at Inter Miami. Oh yeah, and coaching Fort Lauderdale, right? Sure. Is that their uh, MLS is next or whatever? Can we talk about how bad that branding is for the <laughs> MLS next league or whatever? Yes, we may. Like they have, I mean, some of the, just the normal typeface is, is good and I like it, but then they have this thing where they have like three different versions of the number two on one page. And I'm like, I mean, man, I don't know who approved that, but it is terrible anyway. And just like the actual logo sucks, but Hey, it's cool. Yep. All right. So next up, uh, we've got a little bit of an ownership update, but nothing really substantial. Yeah. So Sam Stachel was on ESPN 700 today. With Speaking Spence of Chickett. club legends. Yeah. That's right. Get, That's him, some, as, get him in there. Uh, assistant coach Sam Stachel. I think we can all get behind that. <laughs> so uh, Spence Sheckett, uh, for some reason, says that he has a source who's mentioned that it sounds like, this is weird, that Deloy Hansen might end up retaining ownership of the club. Now, before we react to that, Sam Stachel responded with, there's zero chance that happens. Uh, so I don't think it's going to happen. But really, that's that's us saying, uh, who knows what's happening? Because we we don't. Yeah. The only thing that's indicative of to me is that, like, there's just weird ownership stuff happening. How how could he retain ownership of the club? Like, by what? How? Like, logistically, how could that happen? Yeah. There's um, no way. So the the MLS board, basically, which is comprised of owners as investor operators in the league, uh, would have to say, you know, it's fine. We'll we'll welcome you back uh, because they did say you must sell. So. Yeah. But like in what circumstances would they ever do that? Like desperation. Uh, that's the only thing I can figure. Only possible thing. There's no way they're that desperate that they would welcome like what would after everything. <laughs> If they, boy, there's no way it happens, right? They would have to swallow so much. Yeah. Like, I mean, just think of the, like, PR disaster of them being like, "Ah, no, actually, it's fine. We'll have the serial racist. Yeah. Let's get Donald, like, this just in, (laughs) Donald Sterling is buying a new NBA franchise, actually. And he's getting, they're giving the Clippers back to Donald Sterling. But also, like, they pissed him off for two years. Yeah. Like, they've just had an angry Deloitte just stewing. And then all of a sudden, they're like, no, yeah, you can run the team again. Like, wh- what? 
Yeah. Forget mechanisms. How is that guy going to be a good owner of anything related to anything <laughs> like after that? I know. Yeah. Like just like, he's what message still does so send? bitter. Like we, I mean, wait, did we, met, did you guys mention the thing? No, we did not. Let's oh, wait we until we have, let's wait until we have a, a certain other uh, soapbox breakfast member on to talk about that. Okay. Okay. It's, there's a thing Pretty that good. happened with someone we know and Deloy Hansen that <laughs> that shows very much that he is not over it. <laughs> and neither are people that are close to him. Um, so, Stacial went on to say, uh, maybe it's a situation where the league takes over ownership, but I don't think it's a situation where Deloy is left in charge. Um, and then he ended it with, uh, if it's not by the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if it was early in January. So uh, that'll play a lot into our next topic as well. But it gives us a time frame of someday. I don't know. Yeah. Matt, you're going to have to, I was up to speed on all of these quotes, except for this last one. I think is this, so as part of this conversation, apparently Spence Checkets was talking to Sam about all these theories and was like, my source says this, that, and the other. And apparently he showed Sam who his source was. Yeah. And is that what this quote, is from yeah that last quote is stage school and he says that guy's got a lot of theories i'll have to ask him about about that one not all of them come true so i don't know uh certainly would not put stock into that theory no anything else regarding ownership that either of you want to say before we get on to the next scintillating topic it just uh, it does seem like deloy is like trying to sabotage things (laughs) or something i think that's just his default mode he doesn't know anything else yeah yeah i like mean that bc boys song come to life that's right i, I mean but worse. he looks he looks great he's lost a lot of weight so good for him he's like lost like a considerable amount of weight I, actually I like to say that he's looking skinny like a model <laughs> yeah but that's just my uh late yeah. 90s early 2000s music listening saddle creek kid coming out i mean He'd be great on the next edition of the AARP uh, monthly newsletter that I get because I'm a member. So <laughs> hope to see him on there. That still is the best thing we've ever done as a podcast. That's right. <laughs> I'm wearing the contacts I got for I very it. cheap. I, I got well, I, I got them for free for becoming an AARP member. So I love it. All right. So next up, we've got not an update on Albert Rusnak so much, um, but Jane Ollie went on the Bill Riley show. And uh, said, and I believe... Nice uh, guy, that Jay Nolly. Yeah, I think... Sat behind him on the plane. And Bill Riley. Yeah, him too. I I just don't associate him with RSL anymore, but... Yeah. So I I think it was Miles who was talking about it uh, in Slack. But he said that... um, Jay Nolly said that he anticipates that Rusnak will be back with RSL, but then also mentioned that it's no secret that his family has wanted to get back to Europe at some point. I also said he's also mentioned... They want to know the decision as quickly as possible, Ari his RSL contract, uh, as they probably want the opportunity to move back to Europe if that's an option. Yeah. So a little clarity there, but not a lot. Um, I mean, nothing really new. I mean, we know it's not really, I don't know. I didn't think it was a big secret that like Rusnak wants to get back to Europe. It would not surprise me to hear that his family very much wants to get back to Europe. Yeah. So like. None of that's really surprising. And I, I really do think that it's just going to, this whole thing is going to come down to January 1st. Rusnak is going to have offers and he's going to take 
either the RSL offer that's on the table if he's able to, or he's going to have a better offer somewhere else and he's going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Like, I really think it's just going to come down to who has a better offer. And RSL, as we know, really can only make an offer once they have an owner. And this whole thing just says to me that Albert's just going to take whatever he needs to take to continue to get paid. Yeah, a piece of him like wanting to be in Europe. I mean, obviously, like wanting to be by family is a big deal. Um, but there's also that like he wants to play UEFA Champions League, right? Like that's been a goal right. of his. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if that's attainable for him right now, but I mean, who knows? Honestly, well, I like if I were him. Uh, This situation just honestly sucks for him. It's just like his contract fell on this year, et cetera. It's just, it's just a bummer. I, I like, despite like really having some trouble with Albert early in the season, I would, it would really suck to lose him. He's been very good. Yeah. I think that's fair uh, to say. Yeah. It would be a bummer. There are also some rules around free agency and MLS that could get in the way if we try to offer him a low contract, with like a high bonus structure or something. Oh, that really? Would result in him like maybe not being a designated player, but earning more. Um, of course, I don't think there's any chance he goes for that, but I believe we'd have to. I'm not sure. I think we could offer less than he's making now. I don't know why he'd take it, of course. Yeah. Um, but if we don't have ownership in place by the end of the year, I think it's it's looking more and more apparent to me that he'll just walk. But there's no way he goes to another MLS team, right? Like there, like that seems insane. Especially like your only connection to this entire country really is in Utah. Utah. Yeah. If like, Las Vegas had an MLS team, I think we'd uh, yeah, have okay, a different man. conversation. But. He might be their first DP when they like do a team or whatever. That man loves Las Vegas. Forty-five year old Albert Rusnak. Yeah, like. You're, they're in town, like their family, like he and his uh, fiance. I can't remember if his daughter was born here or if, or if it was. If, yeah, if she, she was, was. So it was like right when they moved here, I think. No, I think his kid's only like two or three. He's she's, been here for like nah, five years. She, she's a little bit older than that. Like anyway, I, I, in any case, um, like their only connection is here. I Like it seems insane that he would just go somewhere else in MLS, but I... I don't know, maybe. I mean, it would. I feel like it would take somebody in MLS like offering him as much or more as he's making now. And I, I mean, I don't think it's a secret that we hold the opinion he's not worth that much. And I don't think anywhere else in MLS would rate him as worth more than two million a year. Yeah. But, I mean, when you look at his position and players that make two million a year, they, <laughs> they statistically just produce more or less or whatever. He's he's overpaid. Yeah, yeah. I he think, doesn't match up with other people at his position at his pay rate. I I think the last six months is the first time we've seen him rise to the level that he's being paid. I think. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, I think like if he, I mean, if he had played, if if he started the season, if we like he had a full season and like playing the way he did and like how he ended the second half of the season, like I mean, he's like pretty much clearly in like the best 11 and MLS and like definitely justifying the pay, the, the, the price tag or whatever. But yeah, I, I think you're right though. Trevor is like, you're going to have a hard time finding one that's in, in MLS that's willing him to pay that much. And it's like, why not just go to 
like England or something and played a mid table team or go to Germany or yeah. Yeah. Like, like you were saying about champions league, I think if he wants to play champions league, like in England or France or Germany, like that's going to be a stretch. But if he's wants to go to a lower level league, I think he could find champions league football. Like I said, like in like Belgium or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely on the table for him. And if he doesn't want to do that, I think he could be a squad player on several teams. I mean, we've seen the reports for Southampton and Newcastle apparently yeah. want him. That kind of level of team, kind of mid to lower table in like any country, I think he could play there. Yeah. yeah. And I think he could get paid about as much or more as he is making now over there because it's a lot easier to make that kind of money in those leagues. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, so yeah, we'll, I also would not be surprised to see him walk. Yeah, we'll see how this one plays out over the next three weeks, really. Uh, a little less than three weeks, actually. Uh, I, I'm i going to be very curious what happens. I'll put it that way. Um, should we move on to our next item here? Let's do it. So uh, we optioned a bunch of players. Uh, we didn't take options on a bunch of players. Uh Honestly, you can listen to the on the road episode for most of that uh, we, because somehow we got it mostly right. We pretty much nailed it. Honestly, Love I don't it. know how we did Proud that. Of you guys, thank you. Um, but I'm just pulling up the list of options we declined because I think it is interesting and options we took. So the options we exercised were Andrew Brody, Michael Chang, Eric Holt, David Ochoa, and Marcelo Silva. And I think David Ochoa is probably coming up on a new contract soon. Yeah. Uh, if we're smart, Marcel Silva, I think, makes sense. The only one I have any concern about is Eric Holt, but honestly, he's an affordable backup center back. I think that's fine if yeah, you're not starting it is regularly. Yeah. Um, and then options declined. We've got Milano Loski, Douglas Martinez, Ashton Morgan, Justin Portillo, Noah Powder, Jason Ramirez, Tate Schmidt, and Donnie Toya. Any thoughts or concerns or glee to express green i already gave my thoughts on the last one so i'll let kyle take this yeah uh, i don't think any of those are surprising at all and i also i'd be uh i don't know if any of those like i know so like after these were announced elliot went on um elliot fall the gm went on spence check show to talk about this and um Mentioned that, I mean, there's the potential for, you know, I mean, just because someone was declined doesn't mean they're done with the club, but I'm, I mean, I don't know who they, who falls in that category out of these guys. Yeah. To be honest. Yep. Well, I mean, it's usually somebody that is on too much money. The option was going to be too much money, but it's somebody that like is valuable to the team in some way or another. That's yeah. usually the only player. And, like, because obviously they can renegotiate a contract and just give them a new deal at a different price point. Um, so that's the kind of situation. I, I don't know that there's anybody on that list. That- yeah, the only one I can think of would be like Milan Olaski, but just because I have no idea if he's any good or not. But he's so. also like he was so cheap, wasn't he? I felt like he was on yeah. very little money. That's why yeah. I like it doesn't even make sense, really, just because he was already like so cheap. So I... Uh, yeah, uh, no idea, honestly. Yep, I think that's fair. I, I, like, I, I wouldn't be, I would kind of expect none of them to be brought back. But yeah, I mean, it sucks for like, I mean, don't want to see people like lose jobs. For the, but like, I mean, Elliot said this, I mean, these guys can find 
you know, teams elsewhere that, that, that will probably sign them. But yeah, I mean, of course, like the most insane one in there is Jason. I mean, it's not insane that he, he didn't get uh, brought back, but it's just like that's a uh, designated player that we had, by the way. Yeah. Yep. That no one I mean, no one outside of Real Salt Lake knew we had him. Besides Matt Doyle, who wrote an article that said that we did, because that's one of the just like the insane things that this club did. Like we were just paying this child a ton of money to just I mean, it was like also bad circumstances with COVID and everything. But also, as Matt Doyle pointed out, like he like had had some chances with the Monarchs and like wasn't great there. So, yeah, Yeah, it's kind of just the end of a sad story, right? Yeah, it's a bummer. So, like, I guess he just like goes back to Venezuela. Then I think. Yeah, unless um, some other MLS team decides to pick him up in the expansion draft. But uh, I mean, I I, I can't imagine happen. that. Yeah, kind of the same thing with the Rusnak situation. I can't imagine that there's like another city that this kid would be thrilled to go figure <laughs> out and start all over again. Like, yeah, it's hard. He's still definitely young enough that I think the move that makes the most sense is just to go back to Venezuela and and probably he doesn't speak very much English, does he? I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure. Know that he does. I would imagine he probably doesn't speak that much. Yeah, I, it's just gotta be difficult. So, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. It's, it's, it's just really like frustrating. I mean, like you see, <laughs> like it makes me sad and makes me really happy to see like the success that uh, that Jefferson Savarino's found in Brazil. <laughs> um, yeah, because they like winning the league and Minero just won the Brazilian league. <laughs> which is great for him. him. Um, I just like miss him so much. And I thought like just such an incredible player. Um, But but, like we had him at like a good time. So yeah, I was just going to say Jason is like, there's two versions of like big signing players that come to mind. And it's like, you're the second time around (laughs) and Jason and like it's just two <laughs> polar opposite things like Yura came and we paid him a bunch of money and he was just trash and he was like visibly trash and still <laughs> thought he was great but he was this not was good best. that and was the best so, time <laughs> like once he I went it's did like we talk about his like new player presentation at or like return presentation at club 50 did you guys go to that? Yeah. I was I was there too. I just I was like a huge I was like I liked Euro a lot, so I went to that and I was like, damn, this is gonna be so sick. That's when he said like the famous quote about needing only, only like needs early in his early in his career he needed like seven or eight chances. This is wild in the first place. But no, yeah. so like once that situation like that bad signing is resolved, like we're happy to be done with them. You're a, like, what's the expression I'm looking for? Like made his bed basically. Yeah. And like earned it, earned everybody not liking him. Jason didn't, um, at yeah. all. Like none of this was his fault. Um, yeah, it's ultimately a bad signing. Definitely feel bad for the kid. Wish him all the best in the future. Yeah. It was just so many awful circumstances. Totally. So like all the, her- mean things that we've said over the couple years like it not his fault at all i wish him all the success in the future for sure yeah nothing is ever personal it's just comical how much like this club spends on players who don't make an impact yeah (laughs) on anything um so three players out of contract in addition we've got justin miram albert rusnak and everton louise 
uh, which now plays into the expansion draft eligible list, which uh, I think now is a good time to get into that, right? Yeah. yeah. This is really weird the way that they just released like the eligible list rather than the protected list, right? Like, yeah. Honestly, really weird. it's easier though because the protected yeah. list makes you figure out who else is auto-protected <laughs> yeah. and yes. it's not always clear this is so much better i i hated trying to figure out like those it was like mls is already such a mystery when it comes to so much of their rules and so for them to do the expansion draft and then the protected list and then like trying to determine who's the auto-protected because of their they're a dp or because they're a homegrown or the, because they were generation adidas but maybe they were a generation adidas and they are homegrown but like that is expired that was such a nightmare <laughs> trying to figure that out or like yeah yeah it, that was insane i'm very very glad to see it's just an eligible list instead that's so much better yeah absolutely um so that list is tony datkovich everton louise douglas martinez justin miram ashton morgan justin portillo noah powder andrew putna jason ramirez and donnie toya so yeah okay. there's a list there's- of players eligible for the expansion draft Selection. I didn't realize that Donnie Toya was on there because he's on the next page. Oh yeah, you've got but, to keep it in uh, in um, not print layout. Yeah, whatever they call that. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, there's really only two names on here that I think matter for starters. Like the expansion draft this year is different because I think Charlotte only takes like five picks. Yeah, five right? players. And wait, why? because they don't deserve 10 like they just change the rules good (laughs) (laughs) they're trying they're like slowly but surely i feel like just phasing out the expansion draft it's a little bit more restrictive and a little bit less players available to them and less picks every single time they do one now uh, so oh yeah it had to have been the new york city orlando year where like I mean, that's 22 players that they were picking, right? It's Is it 11 per team back then? I thought it was yeah, 10. Was it, it was a lot. It was a mess. But there was also the thing, like, once your team got picked, then you were protected from the other team picking it. Uh yeah, we we would we lost player. Who did we lose in the in those? We lose grab a boy. We lost winger to New York City FC. Oh, uh, yeah. And then I thought we were protected from losing anybody to Orlando. I don't think we did. I don't know. Those sucked. I really didn't like those. These days, like the expansion draft, (laughs) it's not fun because it's all pretty much figured out. Uh, Like we're kind of seeing in NWSL, um, teams are just making trades with expansion teams for protection. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It it went crazy. Yeah. This offseason, there was a lot of players that got traded to a lot of teams, a lot of big names moved around. And a lot of those trades involved like getting protection from the upcoming expansion draft for either some or all of their players. So they had their protected list, but also other players. They just had like agreements in place to not take them. Yeah. But yeah, really there's only two names on this list that are interesting. I think to me to even talk about, and that's Tony and Donnie. Just Donnie, just because like he's still a player in the league and he could be good. And yeah, as like a new team, you kind of want experience. And Tony, just because he's under contract for like two more years and he didn't get protected, which makes me think that either the team knows that nobody's getting picked. So like they just put their list together and didn't care or that they're fine with Tony getting picked, which is also 
Kind of crazy. A great yeah. sign. Yeah, I think that's probably right. It's uh, really for me, inspiring for a guy you just signed like six months ago as like your big center back signing. Yeah, yeah. that really sucks, honestly. <laughs> so Justin Miram is an interesting one for me because he's also a free agent. So I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know why uh, he'd be selected. He's out of contract and he's been in MLS for 2,500 years or something. But uh, so I I suspect that he will not get picked simply because they could also negotiate with him as a free agent if they wanted him. Well, but that's the thing. Like if they, this is what I don't understand. I thought that the only people that were like, well, no, I guess it's an expansion draft. I'm thinking of the re-entry draft. That's what I'm getting confused on. Yeah, so like if they pick him, they just have exclusive rights to negotiate with him or no because – I think it's like a right of he's first a free agent. thing. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's weird. Stupid. Justin Miriam's probably not going to get picked. That would be crazy Yeah. if like he got picked and then just used his free agent to just like sign with New York City FC or some garbage like that. Or amazing. He comes back. Yeah. Or ourselves. That'd be even more hilarious. Yeah. Yep. Um, Ashton Morgan's a slightly interesting one for me. It's uh, a bummer for, for me. Kind of the same reason as Donnie Toya. Serviceable MLS player. Like, yeah. Those are valuable. A lot yeah, he'll of, go somewhere. A lot of franchises undervalue, I think, those players. So that'd be an interesting one. Or Everton Luis. I mean, great player. Yeah, he's good. Pretty, I mean, it's pretty fascinating that Pablo rated Andrew Brody uh, at left back over both Donnie Toya and <laughs> Ashton Morgan, even in a four four two or whatever. So, yeah. whatever. Well, he was good in a couple of games. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. If you remember his first couple of games of the season, like he was lights out before he got injured. Donnie or Ashton? Ash, sorry, uh, uh, Brody. 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 No, bro, bro, we okay. Like, uh, yeah, not as a left back though. <laughs> like he is, uh, he was really good when he replaced an injured Aaron Herrera at right back. Yeah, uh, he's not a good left back, and I'm not gonna be okay with seeing him there again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just sure. that 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 Portland guy. Anyway, yep, yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. All right, well. I think that that ends all the news items. Um, oh, so I guess yeah, that's the end. I don't really have anything that's else to talk of, about. Is that the end of the podcast? What, what's the think, okay? Well, so. it can't be because we've got you, like two what, weeks of an off season before we're back in business. Well, we have to figure out what we're going to do for our episode next week. We got to save some stuff for that. Oh, well, I'm just true. I'm looking for a calendar real quick because there's some stuff that comes up in the next like two Command days. Space calendar, yeah. Have you all watched uh, the Great British Bake Off? I I gotta be, I gotta be honest. I that show is incredible. I, <laughs> which isn't okay. a. I've got a hot take. Great British Breaking Show is a good show. Like, <laughs> what? Wow. What is Works it about that there. show? I. I it's I don't know if it's so, because it's it's the saturation levels and everyone looks like everyone's eyes look like damn White Walkers or whatever from <laughs> Game of Thrones. I thought it's that's just what like people looked like in England. Yeah, it's just it's like the it is like the most anti cynical show, and well, I think that's like what I is so like speaks to me so well is that like it's just. It's just lovely to watch. Well, yeah. Even though I can't eat a damn thing they have. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. There was somebody on Twitter that got really into it. I think it was Sophia Benoit, if any of you guys follow her. Um, but anyway, she was tweeting about it at some point, And she made the observation that like opened my eyes to it was that 
it's like there's there's no prize. You don't get anything no, if you, you win Bake Off. You get like the cake stand. Right. But that's, that's the thing. Like there's not, it's not like for a million dollars. It's not like this big, huge dollar. um, Like that's what's so lovely about the show. And I think that's what draws people to it so much, uh, especially like American audiences now, because it's been on for like forever. Yeah. Um, But it's just so much that the show is just simply about the show. It's a bunch of bakers which run from like 19 year old, like students at university all the way up to like 78 year old grandmas and grandpas that they just like to bake and they just want to bake. And that's the whole thing is baking. And you don't, you're not competing for like a million dollar prize. There's no like cutthroat, like elimination challenge where like you can protect somebody or like you're not forming teams behind anybody's back. Like it's just straight up. Like everybody wants everybody to do good. And that's, that's it. That's the and there's show. not like uh, there's it, it doesn't place like a, a microscope on like the outcome of like American capitalism where there's like some like you see you watch like a lot of these like uh, shows like the voice like the singing shows like the voice or these other game shows where people are fighting for money or whatever and you like people you know you have the testimonial scenes where people are just talking about how certain things have like ruined their lives like medical bills or something like that or like i have five hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt so i need to win this million dollar prize so i'm not like paying this off until i die it's just like obviously those things still exist but like this show is very much just focused on people just like supporting each other through baking challenges yeah and there's not like you don't have to be remind it, it like there yeah i, I it's it, it, not, not that i'm like oh shield me from the bad things but it's like sometimes things just need to exist like this that can be what they are and not everything has to be this like your your one ticket out of like the hellscape you live in or whatever like that or anything like that it's just like a show about people who like to bake and like are nice to each other and everyone's just like nice and it's nice to watch. (laughs) So I do great hosts. Yeah. Paul Hollywood. You big Paul. Oh no, I hate Paul Hollywood with like a fiery passion. (laughs) I don't know why. I think it's the Hollywood handshake. I hate the Hollywood handshake. But that's the thing. Like that's, he's the villain. Like the show needs like a villain. He's like the villain and he does great at it. Like he knows what he's talking about. Everybody respects like his knowledge, but also yeah, like there has to be a bad guy and he's the bad guy. He's like barely like, but of the, if there's good people and bad people, if you have to separate them into two camps, there's only one bad guy and it's him. Yeah. Okay. Everybody else is very nice and he's the only one that's like critical, but like, even a little bit kind of mean about it, but mostly it's like fun. Yeah. So it's it's him. What's the woman's name? Crew. Crew. And then you got like, um, the scene, the scene guy. And then the extraordinarily, (laughs) extraordinarily bald man. Okay. So I'm going to nerd out for a second here. Noel Fielding is a scene guy. He's amazing. He's amazing. He's been amazing. If you're not familiar with like Noel Fielding's like entire line of work, I'm not. Like, it's like, so good. Look into it. It's not at all like his Bake Off persona is like a whole new thing for him, and it is amazing, and I love it. But he's incredible and has been incredible for years and years and years and years and years. Um, my hot take is I don't like Matt Lucas. Oh. Is that the bald guy? That's the yeah. bald guy. I don't like him. I've seen him in a lot of other things. He's done a lot of other TV shows and a lot of other like 
panel shows and comedy stuff and i i don't like anything he's ever done mm, okay i um, that's really feel like it was miscast i loved sandy i thought sandy was great when she was on she was fun. um and i still wish they had mel and sue like i get that you got to change really things good. up every now and then but mel and sue were like what you're trying to be and noel is trying to be his version of mel and sue which is great but matt i think just ruins it matt tries way too hard to be funny and make the show like about matt rather than about baking <laughs> so and matt's too big of a personality here's the funny thing about matt lucas is and it's going to bring it back around to the podcast in a funny way one he's an arsenal fan so immediate uh camaraderie there i feel <laughs> um because you know suffering and whatnot i don't know i guess there was a yeah. time when we didn't suffer and that was nice um, right. but he's also uh done a bunch of uh stage productions and um was in les miserables uh so okay kind of a, a funny thing and uh that's nice rsl bob is probably enjoying <laughs> that act right oh, that's right <laughs> that was that was <laughs> <laughs> that I was masterful that. the way you tied that all together I thank you about that. <laughs> that was awesome it's because we watched a comedy thing t- together trevor and now i'm like oh how can i make everything funnier by referencing it <laughs> so uh, oh i'll try to reference it again next episode and the following episode and the one after that and s- till it gets really well, old. we love a callback <laughs> yeah Anyway, Noel Fielding's really great. You should look at his stuff that he's done in the past, just on anything. He's a guest on a lot of different British TV shows, and he's always incredible. Um, he was on or in the Mighty Boosh mm-hmm. for a very long time, um, which is also incredible. So he's in definitely, the crowd, yeah, I, th- I know great. what that is. Yeah, definitely check out everything he's ever done. Also, tomorrow is the expansion draft. Oh yeah, mm. <laughs> December fourteenth. So I guess today when you're listening to it but december 14th is the expansion draft so we'll get your bets in yep if rsl has a player selected maybe we should do a like a quick 10 minute episode and call it off the road or something why um because it's not going to happen so we can speculate about (laughs) things we should do um there's a lot more just looking at the calendar there's a lot more kind of boring stuff that happens free agency officially opens on the 15th Mm. Uh, which is the day after tomorrow. Um, and then we have the re-entry process. This is the draft, right? They're just calling it a process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> then we have the re-entry draft on uh, this Friday, stage one. And then by the time they get to stage two, most of the roster stuff, as far as like options and renegotiated contracts, should be figured out by that point. A lot of free agency stuff will be figured out by that point. And that pretty much takes us to the end of the year. And then I don't remember when people start reporting, but it's like January like 15th or something. Something like that. So most of the off-season stuff, the fun stuff is going to happen this week. Yeah, and by fun, you mean boring, right? Well, because no, this is when players get re-signed. That's when oh, that's true. people yeah. draft people. You know, some of the, the initial questions that have to be answered about some roster things get answered for you. And then it gets really into like, okay, we're actually going to start signing people or trading for people or or whatever. After all that has to be finished. I kind of think it'd be funny if we just went into the season with two thirds of a roster. (laughs) What could go wrong? Yeah. Pablo (laughs) likes to run lean, I think so. 
That's right. Yeah. All about well, lean processes thing. and agile teams. That this club loves to do and has a lot of experience doing scrum style management. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, All right, boy. Well, on that very depressing note, um, <laughs> I, I suppose it's time we end the episode. That's that sounds alright. Um, we'll be back uh, probably next week, right? I think so. Uh, give or take. Uh, and then uh, we'll take a break for the Christmas holiday, and uh, we'll go from there. That sounds good. All right. Well, good night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Or good, good good day, depending on when you're listening. Okay, bye. <laughs>